to another episode of Sad, Sexy and Single Sisters Over 50. Welcome to another episode. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Oh, what a fun night we have in store. I'm very excited about this topic. We've been talking about it, especially I think Danny and I have talked about it a little bit extra and Kate's a little bit younger than we are. So uh, the hormone issue isn't as big of a deal yet. Just wait. Just <laughs> wait. Get prepared. Your turn's coming. Get all the yes. knowledge from you so, ladies. Yes. Yeah. So there's, you know, of course, menopause, many of us are either going through it or have been through it or are still going through it or are perimenopause. So I'm so excited. We have a wonderful guest. I I would say expert because this is right in her wheelhouse. We have Allison Fox, who is an MSN FNP, which I have no idea what that means, but she (laughs) is definitely going to tell us what that means and give us a quick overview of what she does. I know the nurse part, but I'm excited to introduce Allison. So welcome, Allison. Hey, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm a nurse practitioner and I work in Portland, Oregon and community health. And I have been working for almost 18 years and helping people along that whole time with their journey into menopause and helping them. You know, some people don't have many needs during menopause, but most people or a majority of women do. And so I am happy to be here today to kind of help your audience. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We're so happy to have you. And we have so many questions, but I'm just going to kind of fly off with, first of all, menopause, when does it typically start? If you can just give us kind of, and then I know there's perimenopause or perimenopause. Perimenopause. Mm -hmm. How many stages are there? And when does it typically start? There's three stages of menopause. So perimenopause is the in-between. So hormones are starting, your, your ovaries are starting to kind of peter out. Um, and that can last if, you know, a, a year to a couple years, maybe even six years. Sometimes people will start to go into early, you know, perimenopause and they're typically mid forties okay. is when people are going to start having some perimenopausal symptoms. Um, there's some genetic, so some different races, people will have different, um, Asian people tend to go through earlier menopause. Um, so there, there are some genetic variations, but usually between 45 and 52, you're going to start hitting that perimenopausal window. Okay. And did you say that was the middle one? Is there one before then and one after then? So perimenopause is the first one. And then a year of not having your menstrual cycle, you are considered officially in menopause. Okay. And then after that, there's just postmenopausal. So changes sort of down the road. Is there a typical time period that menopause takes place? I mean, is that usually going to last for five years or 10 years or two years? It varies that much. Yeah. It's variable depending on the person. Some people get away really easily and it's a, maybe a year of a transition and other people will tell me 10 or 15 years, which it's, um, the, the best indicator of when you're going to go through menopause is when your mom went through menopause. So if you're lucky enough to know if you, weren't adopted or your mom didn't have a hysterectomy, something like that, that would have kind of, you know, you don't have that information. Mom's age of, of menopause is. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. So it's almost like a hereditary, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and as far as the actual menopause symptoms, we all know about the whole hot flashes and I guess vaginal dryness is a pretty common thing. 
lethargy. There's so many different symptoms and I'll let you review those. But first, I'm going to just ask if Kate and Danny have any specific questions. I think that something that our listeners would want to know is while there are the more common things like the hot flashes, like you said, but I think there's still a world of women out there that don't know that this is a possibility or a capability of being able to rejuvenate, so to speak, with the with mm-hmm. hormone therapy. And like there was a woman I was talking to a couple of weeks ago and she was talking about the weight gain and the hair on her face and just not caring about things anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think menopause is more than just the hot flashes and right. it creeps yeah. up on us. Oh, yeah. Like, what is it that you would encourage women to be aware of mm-hmm. more so than just a hot flash? You know what I'm saying? Because I, I think depression, like it's not just a mood swing, like PMS, I don't think. Um, but I feel like I've gone through a lot of different changes. Some were probably depression that was not related to menopause, but it just happened that the big life changes happened at the same time, which brought that on. But I don't know, maybe one made the other worse. So Mm -hmm. maybe like the symptoms or that type thing, things to look for. What Mm -hmm. do you think, Allison? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think that... Uh, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that we're here talking about this because I think that women are often sold this lie that they have to suffer right. and that it's part of the journey yeah. and just suck it up, buttercup, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. This, is, yes. this is, oh, you, you want to, to, I don't, you know, change, you know, feel better during this time, you know, then you're, then you're not doing it right. Or yeah. somehow that's like, you're doing womanhood wrong. And absolutely, there are some people who become almost murderous, like their mood, you know, shifts are so volatile that they go from feeling pretty calm and normal to feeling like the ground is out and, you know, from under them. Um, So that that's one. But it's also just a lack of sex drive. And so we'll I think we'll talk about that a little bit later with hormones. But I think on a fundamental level. If men experienced what women do, where their testicles just stopped giving them sex hormones, Uh um, I think there'd be a lot more information (laughs) for women, honestly. Because what what ED is? Is that kind of the equivalent? No, not not. really. Okay, I didn't know. That's what I'm asking. (laughs) Yeah, men get testosterone. You know, it definitely declines decade by decade, but you can be 60 or 70 and still have testosterone levels where that's not the case for women. And it really, um, yeah, so I think that women have been sold a lie that they have to suffer. I think it's unnecessary. And I think, um, you know, maybe we'll get into later the, the whys about that, but I think that women need to be educated that they have options. Good. Oh, I'm so glad to have you because this is exactly, I mean, it's on our minds anyway. And Kate, you're not going through it yet, but I mean, you're going to be so wise. You'll, you'll be so ready for it. <laughs> yeah, I do have a question though. Good. So, you know, I'm still, so, you know, I'm still on birth control. So like, you know, if I'm on birth control, am I going to feel this change basically? I mean, what well, depends not. on what kind of birth, are you talking about oral contraception? Like yeah. birth control pills, then you wouldn't know, but I may you're over 4.0. Uh, yes. 
Okay. Yes. Um, yes. So usually providers will start to have conversations after I call it 4.0. That's my way to get around, you know, aging as I make it like a decimal. Um, <laughs> That's pretty clever, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm in on 4.5 just to be totally transparent <laughs> here. No problem. Um, and usually people will have a conversation with you about it because people try to pull you off of those types of hormones. Um, they aren't bioid identical, which is not ideal, but you wouldn't know the the if and when based on your cycle, which is a good way to start to say, oh, hey, my cycles are getting irregular and oh, my diet hasn't changed. My activity level hasn't changed. You're not going to have that marker when you're on a birth control pill because it's going to keep you regular. So you would have to look out for other signs and symptoms of like uh, your mood, you know, becoming like your mood shifting or something like that. Um, cause your cycles, your cycles would still be the same. Okay. Yeah. And that, and that's kind of what I was, I was thinking you were going to say, because I was thinking, well, if my, my hormone level is, you know, consistent basically, then, you know, how am I going to know basically I know. if I, you know, <clears throat> So, right. no. Hopefully you're not going to be on oral contraception for that much longer. Cause isn't that a risk? <laughs> is it risky? I thought I always thought that was a risky thing. I, that's why not I went if off someone doesn't smoke. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I really like Marina IUDs. I just think they're easier. Mm-hmm. You don't get any of that. Of, you know, most of the estrogens are from, I think most people know by now, like horse urine, right. that is, that is, um, like Primarin based. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I, I think IUDs are just easier all around. Cause you don't have to remember to take a pill every day, but it's not necessarily dangerous unless someone had migraines and it was making their migraines worse or something like that. Oh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge in a second. Okay. Danny's got a little something about that situation. It's funny. We were talking about that before you came on, you know, I, I know we all have a little, a few examples of things we've been through, but I think it's really helpful just to kind of get these, some of these major questions out of the way and kind of dive into some of that hormonal treatment, because I think that's what most of us are looking for. And I had no idea. It was actually Danny who had said something about taking testosterone or DHEA and all this stuff. And I was like, what is she talking about? So I started looking into it literally this weekend and I knew Allison, you were coming on board. So I'm like, during my quest for question, I mean, my, um, yeah, kind of my research for questions to talk to you about it. I learned a lot, but I ordered something. So you and I talked, Allison, just briefly, you mentioned, what did you order? You said you ordered something. I did. I ordered Winona and it's, okay. um, I, and it's, it's all prescription. Okay. So yeah. So it's the estrogen therapy and the progesterone mixed together in the cream. It's okay. the two. great. It's yeah. a cream. So it's an intravaginal cream. No, it's, um, skin. Yeah. Uh, topical. Okay. Right. Topical. And great. then the DHEA pill. Um, great. So that's, that's what, so. That's great. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned, I think that the lack of vitality, you know, people can, can consider it as just part of the aging. And like you said, Oh, I'm just, you know, getting in my forties or fifties or life is slowing down. This is what's common. I'm just more fatigued. And sometimes it really is a thyroid thing. You know, thyroid issues are really common in perimenopause. So they, some, some things can actually happen simultaneously, but I do think that Western medicine often fails women around this time because we are taught to not go chasing hormone labs. Right. And it's not considered standard of 
of care, which means it's, it's a, it's our way of saying, just tell women to suck it up. Yeah, exactly. Like it's the kind, saying, yeah. Yeah. And so just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. So if someone comes to me, of course, I feel really strongly about this because I want to go to bat for my patients and I don't want to gatekeep that I'll check their hormones, particularly FSH is a follicle like stimulating hormone will be really elevated in someone who's in menopause. How do you check that? Um, if I can enter just a lab test. Okay. It's a, yeah, it's a simple lab test and it's not even that expensive. And so I think encouraging your listeners if your provider, if you bring up these concerns that you're 38 would be the young end of it. But particularly if you're in your mid forties, I started when I menopause or perimenopause when I was 37, 38, but it's pretty uncommon. But if your periods start to be irregular around that time, um, or you're curious, you know, asking your provider and if they say no, you know, I think it's, it's, it, it were, it bears some thought as, is this the provider for you? Because if they're not taking your concerns seriously, you know, maybe that means you also, then you find a naturopath. I find that naturopaths tend to be a little bit more, they have more time with patients and will often do deeper dives with hormones. But the FSH is an easy lab test to be able to see if someone is, their hormones are starting to go offline. And yeah, a common complaint is like the lack of sex drive, the the vaginal dryness, but also just a lack of vitality. I think for me, just from a perimenopause perspective, just to put this out for people to know from an experienced perspective, I was in my early forties and I was, the mood swings were so bad and it was the more of a like angry, like the temper. And I wasn't that type of person, but anyway, I had gone to my gynecologist. He tried me on birth control. He wanted me to be, he wanted to try to flip my hormones. That was a disaster. And, um, I don't remember if he did labs or not. Now this was 10 years ago. Um, I was a Suzanne Summers hormone cheerleader. So then I found a woman who did deemed that she was a gynecologist that did bioidentical. I went to her, not one lab said, here's the combo pill based on your symptoms. Go take this, which was, I think it, they were bioidenticals, but it was just, it was a pill. And I don't, I couldn't tell yeah. you what was in it other than some mixture yeah. of Yes, whatever. So I took that. It didn't work. By the third visit, I went to see her. She said to me, you need to admit that you're depressed and go see a therapist. Wow. So then I finally, another amount of time has gone by and a company had started doing hormone therapy. They called themselves 25 again. And finally got the labs done and they started me on just progesterone because I was still producing estrogen. And once we got that level of progesterone, right, my husband would go, where is it? Do not, did you pack it? Like we're going, Ah! you cannot forget your progesterone. It was a miracle. That's awesome. I, I go to the mountaintops about how well that helped me. And I did do the thyroid thing, not because my thyroid was in it. What is it about your, if your thyroid isn't performing at peak, you just want to give it a boost or so. Yeah. Yeah. Like you supplement like something, some iodine yes. help or something. So I was yeah. doing that. So I just stayed with that program and don't, I don't even talk to my gynecologist about it anymore. Yeah. I think that if someone doesn't do baseline labs on you, when you're going in with um, a concern that's hormonally related to me, then how do you know what's working and what's not? I, it's not one size fits all. There's just, 
Yeah. And that's a lot of experimentation to be adding and taking away more hormones from somebody who's already crazy. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I have had patients who come in and say, I think I'm menopausal or perimenopausal. Can you check some hormone labs? And I've had people who have all of these complaints and their hormones look great. And I, and I do have to say, Hey, like it's not right now. So maybe it is something mental health. I mean, there (laughs) can be overlap, you know, and some people need to hear that is like, okay, now I I go and see the counselor, right. That sort of thing. So that, that does happen occasionally where I'm like, Boo, you're making, you're making, it's working. All that seems to be fine, you know? So, yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. It's just not the one size fits all because yeah, it's, um, so I think checking those hormone levels and then also, you know, doing, um, a testosterone panel, not just a regular testosterone because, um, there's free testosterone and there's, there's bound testosterone and really whatever your free is, is all that's circulating in your system. And so, um, sorry to jump ahead to testosterone before we even talk about the estrogen, but you know, you're a adrenals make testosterone. And if your free testosterone is not circulating in your body, then you don't have access to it. So if, if your provider just does a regular testosterone level and, and gives you a number, it could look okay. But it, you know, if you, you have to do the, the a panel, which shows your sex high, like hormone binding globulin, like someone who, um, probably hopefully self-identifies as doing some hormones or, you know, and then I think with, with Google, it's pretty easy. Now you just type in your city and hormone specialists. I would, I would hope that these people are, you know, are, are doing those kind of panels that can look a little bit more just under the surface levels. Excuse me. And- I wanted to, that's exactly one of my questions was where would somebody go? to get a panel like that. So you could Google that and, yep. and just go to that type of a specialist. And so they wouldn't have to be like an ongoing care doctor necessarily, but they right. would definitely be the labs people. Okay. Yeah. And honestly, and of course, this is not just the disclaimer for this is not medical advice, you know, Um, but even I mean, I'm in Western medicine, and I have um, not found my gynecologist or my regular Western medicine, it's she's an integrative medicine, they it's, it's not, I, I go to a naturopath because I have found that the gynecologist sort of said, Oh, you're 42. I, I said, my boobs are getting saggy. My vagina is getting dry. And I want to continue to like, not to be sex. TMI, but enjoy sex. Yeah. And I you know, getting wet is part of like how yeah. I stay. How we all do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it's one thing when I think you just tell a a patient like, Oh, there's lubes. But then when it happens to you, you're like, no, I don't want to use like organic cherry lube. Um, so when the gynecologist told me that like, Oh, your boobs are getting saggy, just like deal with it. I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to seek care elsewhere. And so, yeah, I would Google hormone specialist and, and, you know, whoever is covered by insurance. I mean, there, I'm sure there are Western medicine people like me that are out there doing it, but I, I don't, I think people often are, can run into some, some, um, gatekeeping. One of the things that when I moved to Florida and I was trying to find a new hormone healthcare specialist in Florida is I did Google women's hormone health. And that's a good way to find it because some offices are just doing women's health and they specialize in hormones. So, I mean, I think those are keywords. Right. Um, one more thing 
Allison, that I think is important is our generation mothers grew up with hormones being a controversy of when they started giving women um, hormones for menopause, they were creating the scare of heart attacks and strokes. And I don't know, I, I don't know the whole thing. I just know that a lot of us had mothers who stopped taking it because of the controversy. And I think that has since changed, but I don't know that it's been loudly spread. It has since changed. And yeah, and my, and my mother was a person who was on hormones and smoked and then had a stroke. So there were, Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Thanks. But yeah, we did some, some thing. First of all, the the hormone doses and the medications in the seventies and eighties, the estrogen levels were much higher. They were at least like a third of what they were back and smoking tobacco, uh, any kind of, you know, very prevalent that it, yeah, exactly. And we didn't have, it was, you know, after the sixties or fifties, you know, the ads where it's like, you know, these are the best, this is the way to stay trim, those kind of ads. Um, so yeah, smoking and, and, and I, it, it, I do not gatekeep, but I would be really cautious if you're still smoking cigarettes and you want to start a hormone journey, because I do think that that combo is not ideal. Um, I would use a patch if, if someone really, and I've had patients who are like, if you don't help me, I'm going to kill my husband. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want you to murder. I don't, that's yeah. that. So we'll do a low dose hormone patch or, you know, black cohosh until symptoms are relieved, something like that. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I I think that the cardiovascular risks and even, you know, honestly, brain health, those things were, sorry, the cardiovascular risks were, were overblown. And I don't think that that's accurate anymore. If anything, I think having sex hormones can be protective to organs. And the brain, your brain needs sex hormones. So your brain starts to decrease in size when you go through menopause. And I feel uh, like everything decreases in size. (laughs) Yeah, your boobs, like your brain, like, oh. (laughs) I'm uh, shriveling up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, so it's a big I, difference. Yeah. So I think that um, when I give women a, a pep talk, you know, it's usually like, I want you to continue to enjoy your life. And that includes sex. Sex is part of being human and enjoy and having pleasure in the human body that we exist in. And for some women, that means um, if if let's say vaginal dryness is your only symptom, that might be just targeting your you know with the intravaginal um, estrogen product which can be great. Or if someone is a smoker and they are having vaginal dryness and they're like, well, I'm having this issue, but I don't really want to put myself at risk. You know, I'll quit smoking in two years and we can talk about doing it, you know, a different type of estrogen, but there can be spot treatments now that used to be hundreds of dollars a month. And now Vagifim is a tablet that you put inside your vagina once a week. It's oh wow, 10 to $20 a month. That's not bad. That's incredible. And what does that do specifically? It just helps with this. So your vagina, as you start to lose your, your ovaries start to peter out, the, the vaginal lining atrophies or it thins out. So you, it gets thinner and then it stops creating its own lubrication. Okay. And so there's also a vaginal cream that has um, estrogen, but that tends to be messy. And when you uh, are still sexually active, putting yeah. a cream inside your vagina yeah. that 
sex the next day. I, you know, it's again, yeah. You, yeah. Cause uh, it doesn't usually just go right into sex. Usually there's foreplay yes. and there might be some flavor yeah. <laughs> situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not alone on yeah. that. I hope. Yes. There's uh, still white cream. And I think when yeah. people haven't gone through it themselves, I was shocked. <laughs> it's not that the worst no, image. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Something's on someone's penis. And I'm, I wanted to say like, have you never heard this from a person that like literally you're, you didn't warn me that like, yeah. So, um, so, uh, yes, I was, I was, I was visualizing. I put this cream in my badge and the guy's going down on me. He comes up and he's got like, yes. Like, Oh no, get that off. And don't try and even think about kissing me with that. Anyway, I'm sorry. I had it. I'm a very image, imagey person no, I yeah, that's that way. Good. That's hilarious. That's funny. Uh, so, um, so that's interesting. And you called that pill Vagifin. Is that right? Vagifin. B A G I F E M. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, hey, listeners, you you may have heard it first here. I know I did. So thank you for sharing that. Hey, that that might be the ticket, you know? Um, that might be the ticket. And that's easy and low-hanging yeah. fruit and no kind of systemic, you know, um sort of issues. But I I, I don't I am not worried about um as far as if someone had a heart attack already. That might put them in a different category of risk. So I'm not saying it's, you know, in medicine, it's not all. Everything has a risk. Yeah. Yes. Uh, But but exactly. It's all about risk, like, you know, uh, mitigation and, and, and recognizing what's more important to you at the time. I think the only true really contraindication or a reason that I would not prescribe is if someone had an estrogen positive breast cancer. So if someone had been diagnosed with breast cancer, they get, it gets typed and they, there can be no estrogen or progesterone that, that would be a reason that would be a hard stop for me. Um, And migraine with aura is a conversation. That's another one that if anyone out there has migraine aura, um, I would use patches, which tend to be a bit safer as far as just it, it, it bypasses the, your the first pass of the liver, and so there's less clotting risks um, with topical topical or the or patches. Um, but yeah, I think that for most women, it's a conversation of the plus and minuses about it. That is very interesting. Um, I I'm, I'm learning so much. I love it, and I'm in menopause, but I've already had it. But for some reason, this past week, I have been so many hot flashes. I thought they were gone. I was getting like one or two. Oh a year. And this week has been, and I'm thinking, what have I changed? And I, I haven't changed anything yet. Um, um, I have been eating a little bit more sugar and I, I, I don't know if that impacts it or not, if sugar is a bearing or brings it on, but I definitely, that's the only thing I could come up with. There's no other reason, but I have a lot of hot flesh. So I'm very excited because I did just order the, the cream. Now I went to Winona, um, online. It's my Winona, like Winona Ryder. It's W I N O N A. So I'm very excited because I think I'm getting mine tomorrow. Um, my, my kit, if you will, it's all prescription, but it's the cream, um, with the, and I mentioned earlier before you jumped in, um, but it's, it's the combination. So it's the estrogen and progesterone in the cream and then the oral DHEA, uh, for the testosterone. So, so let's, let's talk about the differences on the cream. It's my understanding the estrogen and progesterone cream. That's the best way to trans. Isn't that right? And there's two different kinds of estrogens. Is that right? Well, yeah, I mean, there, I, 
tend to use estradiol. Um, that's the one that's bioidentical. So there might be other ones, but that that's what I use in my practice. And there, um, there's compounded cream that you can put on your forearm or there's patches. I tend to use patches just because I think it's a little easier and cost effective. Compounding is a little bendy okay. and it's not covered by insurance. Um, How much would you say? Just throwing it out there. Yeah. Like 60 bucks every 60 to 90 every maybe two or three months, depending on your dose. Oh, bad. It's actually, but the patches are, they're not compounded. They're not bioidentical, right? They are they're, made from the horse urine. I think, no, they're bioidentical. Okay. The patches um, are too. Yeah, the patches are too. And they are, it depends on your insurance. This is where it gets a little bit tricky. It depends on your insurance coverage. Like I've got pretty good insurance. And so my copay is like $10 a month. So it, I think cheaper for me to do patches too. So you have to kind of price things out and see how it works for you. But when you start to add, I guess, everything in like the testosterone, some progesterone and estradiol, <clears throat> um, it can get spendy when you are kind of either way. So I think it's right. good to, to do a little research uh, like with your insurance plan and figure out like, okay, if I'm going to be spending $60 a month with insurance, maybe it is more cost effective just to get something common compounded um, at a compounding pharmacy. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. Okay. I want to kind of ask the questions that I'm thinking our listeners would be interested in um, knowing. And now I know I've heard of the pellets. I don't personally know. I know two people who have used them and they really like them. Now, when I hear pellets, they just sound painful. I feel like somebody's shooting something in my butt. And I think that's what they do if I'm not mistaken, but nonetheless, we do not have any experts here on that. Um, And nor, you know, maybe that's for another conversation, but um, it sounds like a lot of people are going more towards these creams and um, the topicals and um, some of the orals and the patches and all that. So different. Um, yeah. And I know people who really love the pellets. I don't do it as part of my practice because it's pretty spendy. It's, you yeah. know, it's five that's what to, I heard. Yeah. Five to $600. And that would be just for estradiol or just testosterone. And to me, it, yeah, it's great that you get a consistent amount of hormones, but um, it just seems pretty, it's a, it's a little bougie that like a little too much. I, I yeah, I just have no, that's very, it is very expensive. I know people have told me, I'm like, oh, I mean, they're talking five, $600 a quarter. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then it's labs on top of that. And then you get co-pays with labs. And and I think that there's a, a way to do it just as well without it being, you know, quite, right. quite the, the thing <laughs> that I think is as important about, well, there are a couple of things. I, they, I did testosterone pellet a few years back and my numbers, my labs came back that I should have been screaming with testosterone, but I physically felt nothing different. And they said there's some, some people, the makeup of their body, um, doesn't absorb or transfer hmm. something. I don't know. So pellets don't really work for me, Interesting. but, um, the other thing, when you do a combo where you've got estrogen and progesterone together with a dose that's mixed in, like, how do you adjust? Like I've always done mine separate mm-hmm. and we are in, but I only started taking estrogen in the last six months, which has really been, I, I've been all over the place with my estrogen. Oh gosh. I'm sorry. Um, so I have an appointment Thursday to talk about it again. Yeah. But 
like I forever for years have done 200 milligrams of progesterone, Mm -hmm. but it's by mouth. Mm -hmm. And so when I started taking the estrogen, they sort of had me still take that, even though that's a higher dose, but I'm used to taking a higher dose. They said, stay with it. But when you do a combo, how do you know, especially if you do pellets, aren't you kind of just stuck with those pellets at the, whatever dose they just put in there until they're done? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't use them. So that's why I I don't, I I can't speak to them, but yeah, I think it's three or four months that they, you know, and then they probably start you out at a, like a lower dose. And so then you have to, yeah, add, I like mine being separate. I've had them compounded together and I've had them creams. I've had them as trochies where I put them under my tongue and the recipes can always change, but I, you know, I'm I'm happily like a bit of a control freak. I like to just have everything kind of be separate. And I, I like the progesterone, the metabolites of the progesterone cause sedation. So taking it before sleep, Mm, be like helpful for sleep. And so, um, and sleep is an issue with menopause and perimenopause too. So so I like it being separate because I, I, if I was on a lower dose of progesterone, like 50 milligrams, but took it during the day, I'm like, is this making me sleep? Like, I don't really want to be taking progesterone first thing in the morning. Yeah. So, so what, um, what, what's a low dose (laughs) versus a high dose of, since you mentioned progesterone, progesterone, I use micronized progesterone. It's usually, it's either a hundred milligrams or 200. So I start people on 100 at nighttime and then move up to 200. Um, if they're either having heavy periods, which can happen during perimenopause, especially, you know, it's very common for, for women to have fibroids and, um, they'll start to get the heaviest periods, you know, they're 47, 48, and then they're, um, going out with a bang and and through clothes and sheets. And, you know, it's like really, um, so I would go up on their progesterone and that might be, you might have some mood adjustment issues those first couple of days that you go on it, you know, progesterone switches are, are what cause like EMS symptoms. But once you stay on it after that week, they, they should fall into the background. And that's what I was going to ask is about how long is the, the period is now that's for progesterone. So your body takes about a week to kind of acclimate roughly, obviously we're not doing any medical advice here, right, just giving right. the numbers because you said you have about 1200 patients in your office and you would know you're, you're an authority yeah. on this topic. Yeah. For sure. And I would say if you're still not well or feeling like it's hitting the spot and the bullseye in three weeks, I would tell your provider because something, especially after a couple of weeks. Okay. So I the think green takes a bit, doesn't like taking progesterone by mouth seemed like that was sort of a more instant, but the cream getting, does it take like a certain amount of time for your body to regulate the cream? I think it's just harder to absorb. Okay. So I think it's more an absorption issue. It just is a, you know, you try to put it on this part of your, your forearm because it's very thin skin. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's more of the absorption. And they have me do it on my lower abdomen or my lower back. Is that weird? That's unusual. Maybe that's part of my problem. Yeah. It might be. It might be. Oh my gosh. Everyone says use it here. Yeah. Yeah. I've always done the forearm just because other, because it doesn't, it's, you want the least amount of tissue to get it into your blood. Tell me to put it as close to my ovary. (laughs) (laughs) This is, 
I, I would I would check with the pharmacist because the pharmacists are the ones who like you know, yes you're black and white yep. just see because that might be intuitively what you know um what you think but it, <laughs> that's yeah it's not what I what I yeah how I practice so yeah I, I, I think Danny I'm gonna ask I'm calling tomorrow I think Danny Danny it's time to move it <laughs> holy crud <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, wouldn't that be great though? If you just put it on your forearm now and then yeah. it solves all your issues. I, it it might. be fabulous, Kate. It oh my Lord. If, I I, feel if like that is my problem. <laughs> Can you oh imagine? Oh my gosh. And I literally try to line it up. Like, oh, there's got to be an ovary there. <laughs> you, you, uh, you have to email me and see if this solves the problem. Make sure you say like, yeah, I want to know. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll, yeah, we'll we'll do the email and let you know if any progress. Could you imagine if it was that simple? Oh my gosh, that'd be great. So yeah, let's, let's um, move on to the estrogen. And because I'm sure, you know, there's estrogen is what everybody goes in, in our minds thinking. And first of all, I want to ask, there's over-the-counter things like Premovin or whatever these names are. Do any of those things actually work? And are they estrogen-based? Or what is what are those things on the shelves? To be honest, I other than the supplements like Black Cohosh, I don't know. Because I don't prescribe things that are over-the-counter and they're not FDA regulated. So I, yeah. Okay, I, so I, that's fine. I just thought I'll ask that in case it was in the mind of one of our listeners. So sure. moving on to estrogen. So that it, now, if somebody's going through menopause, it, could it be possible that they would? They, it's a possibility they might just be prescribed estrogen. Is that right? It may not they, also be progesterone. If they don't have a uterus, you can be prescribed just estrogen. But okay. if someone has a uterus, you have to be on both estrogen and progesterone. That's very important. Otherwise, it could lead to an increase in uterine like cancer. That's okay. I thought I read something. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to ask that question. I think yeah. that's important. But if you've had a hysterectomy, you could be just on estrogen alone. And yeah, there's oral, there is topical, so either patches or compounded. And, and then there's the pellets or there's shots. There's okay. estrogen shot. Um, if you do oral, I would probably sublingual where it melts under your tongue. Um, but most people, I I like patches because like I said, they stay on your skin. It lasts for three, you know, three and a half days. So it's just twice a week. Um, I put it out with my supplements and just have it, you know, twice a week. So it's, so it's easier to me. It, it, it decreases my pill burden too. So if you are on supplements, you know, I'm talking about, you already feel like you're taking like yes. your turmeric yeah. or whatever, all these things. Um, like a pharmacy in the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Which- <laughs> I mean, you know, they're like stuff, they're stuff, but they're still like a lot of pills. So I, I prefer patches. And so I usually kind of encourage my patients to go that route too. Um, but, and I, and you start with the lowest dose until you, um, either relieve symptoms. And so I, I don't chase lab values as much as I do symptoms. So if people feel good on a dose, I, I still check labs so I can make sure that something's not at like super out of range, okay. um, that it's congruent with what someone's experienced, but I trust their experience.
variants over what a, a, a blood test me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to mention something about the estrogen that's so common for many of us and myself included is the low libido. Is that mm-hmm. not where the estrogen would help? I mean, more so than the progesterone or do they both or how does that work? So this is, I want to be clear too, that this is anecdotal. Okay. So okay. There is, sure. this is, there is not a lot of evidence that anything helps with sex drive. But not even testosterone? Not even testosterone, but there is plenty of anecdotal evidence where people will tell me and that it helps. So I just to be clear there, and I don't know if it's a paucity of, of research funding, you know, who who is paying for these things or who's not like putting money forth to it. So I you mean women enjoying sex doesn't matter. Hey, exactly. Oh, <laughs> I think that men would be pretty freaking like invested in putting exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I always preface it with, Hey, there's not a lot of research, but at the same time, you will know if it's something that helps. And I think that it low dose testosterone, I've seen a lot of women at help and also DHEA, a lot of women, their DHEA level is, um, is lower. And especially if someone's DHEA is under 100, getting them on a little bit of DHEA, sometimes in three or four days, I'll get a message back that like that was it. And it's, not like all of a sudden you're, you know, horny. And yeah. Wet. Like, like your first couple <laughs> yeah. months meeting someone, but it, yeah, it, it is a noticeable, you can find that, that sex drive, feel that passion again in your body. And it, um, yeah, again, vitality in life. Like this is, this is, yeah. Do you think how much of it do you think is also related to just the confidence of knowing? So that I kind of like to think about it as with when we go through menopause, they they what I've read, your estrogen falls off like a cliff. Mm-hmm. Men, like you said, their testosterone goes down slowly over time. Mm-hmm. We literally go from a hundred to zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, and all of a sudden everything does change and we feel crappy and we we don't like our guys. But even when you're single, you might not feel like dating because you don't feel sexy. Things are drying up. You feel mm-hmm. different. You're cranky. You're hot. Who wants to go on a date when right. the back of your neck is ringing wet? I mean, yeah. how <laughs> the heck do I'm you do these problem. things? Yeah. So yeah. when you start taking the hormones, even if it's not, you know, making your clit light up, yeah, it, the confidence and just knowing that you you're can. not going to have a hot flash or yeah. you don't have to feel like you're a hundred years old. Absolutely. Yeah. Makes I, your sex drive go yeah. in a better direction. I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, I think it's part of self-care and you're right there. I think that there is a, there's can be a magic element to taking care of yourself and putting that effort in. It can be really helpful. And I, I think absolutely, if you're not having hot flashes, that's sure it's going to make you feel <laughs> sexier, you know, yeah. that you're not like drenching through your sheet. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. That too. I didn't even, oh my gosh. Can you imagine being I on a know. date, no, having yeah. a sleepover and yeah. you're soaking the sheets? <laughs> I was yeah. laying in my bed last night. I'm not, this, I'm not lying. Last night I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking I am really warm. I'm actually having to turn my fan on. What is with my body this week? It's like, it's anticipating that I'm getting all of these hormones and it's like willing me to take them. (laughs) It's the strangest thing. I mean, it just, the timing couldn't be more uncanny, but I'm laying there and I'm thinking, I think my sheets are going to be wet. And I touch my sheets and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm thinking, well, I'm glad nobody is spending the night. That exact thought crossed my mind less than 24 hours ago. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you're cold, you know, yeah. and you're like, you wake up and then you're wet and cold. Yeah. It, it's not fun. It, it yeah. doesn't feel, and it doesn't feel clean. Then you want to shower so that you yep. feel clean and that you. Yep. And you go and to good. get back into bed on a cold, yeah. wet, oh, sweaty yep. sheet. No, yep. never. No, not I happen. had to put towels down before I got, cause you know, uh, I was like too tired to change the sheets, but then I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm going to towel down. So it's, yeah. Yeah, but it's, no, it's not We've fun. all done that. I'm sure yeah. at some yeah. point in time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Not something we want to do, but, um, so that's, that's super interesting. And, um, and I know, I, I know, you know, if we thought we could taper this down to such a short conversation, there's, it's just so important. There's that many questions and we haven't even hit them all. So I did want to kind of skip over, um, over to the DHEA, unless there's something else we need to know about the estrogen that you I don't think so. No, I think st- go low, start, you know, start slow, go low. And, 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 um, you don't, you know, more is not always better. Right. I, I think that, that, uh, going before it gets to be a 10 out of 10 problem, okay. you start is, is ideal. It's just because then you just are kind of aiding your body along and kind of helping. Um, if you've already waited three or four years, not a big deal. You can still, I still think there's a lot of benefit to things. Um, but I, yeah, more is not always better. I think is just the other thing. Not everyone's a high dose. So, okay. Yeah. So don't, okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Okay. So the DHA, I think that's kind of the third prong here. Now this isn't something for everybody either. Um, right. from what I've read about it, it's a hormone that's naturally made by our bodies, specifically mm-hmm. testosterone. So that's what mm-hmm. I read about it. So I wanted to kind of note some things down because I, I really, I like to learn about mm-hmm. what are we doing to our bodies? So you're mm-hmm. educating us, but I want yeah. you to pick it up from there, if you will. Totally. It's a precursor to testosterone. And so sometimes that can be an easy over the counter um, thing to do. It's um, I usually it's, it's a 10, I think it's a miller. It, it might be micrograms. I it's, it's 10 milligrams or micrograms. I should know that, but it people can start that and at least try it. There's, there aren't negative side effects to it. And and you would know that I mean, testosterone increasing is something that it, it occurs pretty quickly. So the benefit of getting your DHEA, it depends on the pathway. There's two kind of pathways of how, how much it's actually going to increase. And you don't know that unless you, you get a, a much more extensive kind of hormone panel done, but you know, which got like kind of hundreds of dollars, but it, you'll know within three or four days. Cause when your testosterone level comes back in it, it's not not usually subtle, you know, estrogens, I kind of feel like people sometimes can feel it sometimes can't, or sometimes will feel more emotional, but testosterone, you feel the zings a lot more quickly. Oh, and, good. Promising. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. isn't it supposed to be good for weight gain um, as well and brain fog and changes? Um, I think all of those things are possible. It's all, there's, there's a very nebulous kind of symptom that it, it yeah, they, they're not always black and white, but I think it's worth, you know, the DHEA costs maybe $4 a month. Okay. And that one is um, an oral only. It's an oral. Right? That's an oral okay. supplement. And mm-hmm. now is this something that somebody would take every day? Yes. Okay. And, every day. Okay. And is this something? Something that uh, what would you say would be a low dose on the DHEA versus a higher dose? It's five to fifteen, and so I usually start uh, at ten, just like in the middle. So and I, I twenty-five milligrams. Oh, that seems high. Yeah, I thought it was five to fifteen. Yeah, well. I think that's high. I, I that's why I'm asking because I'm like, tell me because I want to know. This feels like it's going to be too much. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's not how um, when I've looked it up. It's not what I what I you know 
remember and what how I practiced, but yeah. I think that's a guy dope. Maybe no, it's not. No, this is only for women, but um, but maybe I could take it, it every other day. If I, they specialize in hormones, you know, trust the trust the plan that you're on with the provider. And if it if it feels like something's too much, I mean, I guess the worst that's gonna happen is what if you I mean too much testosterone, it, I don't think you're gonna get there from honestly from DHEA, but I, you know, too much testosterone could cause you to get a little chin hair. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask is what makes you hairy? And I didn't know which one it was, but so it sounds like the combination of these things, these are such great viable options that nobody has to suffer. Um, right. I can't even believe it's taken me six years to even think about or learn about. And I'm just so grateful. I mean, Danny really brought it to the attention. And then, I mean, Allison, what a fluke, how we met, you know, we met on social media, completely other topic. We're not going there, but anyway, um, how neat, you know, but this is the whole concept between sexy and single sisters over 50. I mean, not every single necessarily, um, but, but just learning from each other. And I really wanted to get some good information that's going to help all of us be not just be more sexy, but feel more sexy. Yeah. You know, yeah, it yeah. means a lot. Feel yeah. like yourself. Feel right. like yourself and normal. Yes. Yeah. That is yeah. so true, Kate, because you don't feel when you start having those hormone shifts and you just sit and go, what is wrong with me? Right. Like, why am I unhappy? I was happy two hours ago. What's going on? And I, I, I'm so excited to try this stuff. Or yeah. the people around you and the men in your life or whatever are like, you got to go. What is wrong with you? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the main thing and, the, and I think the takeaway is find a provider that takes you seriously. Right. And if right. you say like, hey, I want my sex drive back or hey, I want to feel some more vitality. If you don't feel kind of heard, I think that... You you know, we all have those instincts of when someone is listening to us and hearing us and we trust. And, and if you don't have that, then it is worth asking around and find somebody. Yes. Ask around, you know, or Google, what's a good, you know, to find that person, because I think that you're, I don't think that we have to spend decades without a sex drive and with dry pussies and, and honestly, just not feeling like sexy in ourselves. Yeah. 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 Oh. So Allison, I have a, I do have a question for you. Yeah. So like, so with perimenopause, right? Is there any way, I mean, you said early on that basically, you know, menopause is based on your mother's age, mm-hmm. you know, when she had it is a good, you know, gauge when you're going to have it. Mm-hmm. Is there any way to make the perimenopause part, you know, uh, a lot easier? Is there anything naturally that will help? Yeah. Supplements that you could take or even, you know, medication that can be prescribed during the process, basically, before you get to all that we just talked about, you know, right. Yeah. Black cohosh would be the one if you were starting to have irregular periods or hot flashes, black cohosh is a supplement that you start again low and you go up to when your, your symptoms are relieved. But I'm actually advocating for during that period perimenopause um, to to get things checked out and just see, at least get some labs done to, to check in on it. So that way, you know, kind of along the way, even if it's once a year or once every other year, let's say you're 44 and you're like, I kind of think something might be going on. I've had people come in and I'll check. I'll be like, no, boo, everything looks great. But, you know, come back in a year or two and we'll check it again. So you can kind of see, because I, I think that doing it on your own, 
own without, I mean, I guess it, there's not a ton of risk, but I think that it, of course I'm a medical provider. So I feel like it's, it's, it's good to have someone on your team to help guide you. Right. Yeah. Um, and with black cohosh, if you're, if you're not having an estrogen problem, it's probably not going to, it's not going to help you. And mm-hmm. so then it just sends people down these like Dr. Cool rabbit holes. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, if, oh, like, if you're on birth control, you wouldn't be able to take anything mm-hmm. to help it anyway, because you wouldn't feel it. But right. so I wasn't on birth control, but we, I, I did start on progesterone, which helped level out at least my mood. Right. Because my moods were crazy. So yeah. progesterone during perimenopause, I took progesterone probably six years before I ever went through menopause. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. And it just helped level me out. I mean, it was the godsend. That pe- that progesterone for that period of my life was a godsend. Wow. Right. Wow. So had you not gone and got it checked, right, you would be at doing all these other little remedies. I don't know. And, and I know exercise yeah. is supposed to be good naturally because you do get, and, and Kate, you're a, a gym enthusiast. Um, so I have to imagine that you're not going to probably have as many, but I don't know. I feel like people who are more fit tend to have less. Is that, is there any factual or any anecdotal evidence um, testing to that? Exercise helps everything. Right. Right. Okay. And so it just, water. Helps, <laughs> yeah, it just helps mood in general. So I don't know about anything specific to like menopause, but I think that exercise can probably help cortisol, your stress hormone, you know, chill out. And that that's going to help your, your ovaries keep kind of going without it just being like an up and down kind of thing. And how does alcohol oh. interact with any of these? I need to ask that because we're sexy and single sisters after all. So there might be a cocktail <laughs> tonight. I don't As know I'm that. having one. You're having one. I'm actually having a diet Pepsi, which I probably yeah, should Yeah. And I mean, I think it's enjoying your life. You know, yeah. I, I mean, there are lots of things coming out about alcohol and cancer risks. And so we tell people really like one, no more than one a day. And that's true for men and women. Now it used to be just true for women. I know like just in general, alcohol is a little inflammatory. So, but yeah. Okay. And, and I think um, there's just one last tiny question before we segue and, and wrap this up, but I, I want to ask you, and I'll ask the, the other ladies if they have a question, but um, any final thoughts um, about how long would somebody be on these are we talking like for the rest of their lives i keep them on it for the rest of their lives yeah why would i why would i take them off so it doesn't really help your body to do its own thing it's always going to need that assist i got yeah that's what i was wondering okay so get used to it Yeah. Okay. That's good to know that. Some people just want to take it, you know, and, and then they're, they're 70 and they might not need it or they, I mean, or they might not want it anymore and different time in their life. And they don't really, you know, either their spouse or you're single for a while. Yeah. Yeah, You're not active. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, this is okay. Ladies, do you have a last question? We do have to let Allison go because she actually was supposed to have a meeting a while ago. Oops. I think you may have messed. This has been more fun. (laughs) We think so too. I'm I'm sure yeah. our listeners do. Danny, Kate, any more questions? No questions, but I just want to say thank you, Allison, for yes. joining oh, us and here. sharing your oh, knowledge. God. I think this has been awesome. Absolutely fabulous. Thank you. Very compassionate. Yes, yes. So excited. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. So we're going to say goodnight now. Thanks, listeners. Reach out, sassover50 at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, sassover50. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.